0: Space Nine, the Tusken Shred Media Network contest where we discover and or rediscover the classic series Star Trek Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Peter Densey.
1: How are you, Peter? I'm very good. Still covered in glitter from work.
2: Yes! Uh-oh.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Christmas all around. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> Let's just pretend that you don't work at uh, retail, that you're you've got a, a sexier job. And that's why you're covered in glitter. Okay, Okay. if that
1: were true, I would love it. That'd be great. That'd be <laughs> it, 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 crazy things would happen every single time I would go into work. And, I, and I, I I get out and be like, how are you doing? it would be like, I have a crazy story to tell you guys after this. Like, it'd be great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a, a friend who's a stripper. And, and every time I see her, I'm like, yeah, glitter. She's like, I always have glitter <laughs> I'm the rest of my life. <laughs> awesome it's just the way it is yeah i've said and I've,
1: I've said so many times it's like it's like hmm, if i were buff and had like a hell of a lot more confidence i should be a go-go dancer that'd be great oh yeah
0: yeah i thought about
2: it before. yesterday my belling dancing about- teacher's costume she like because there's you know the sort of well swimsuit top or bra looking top right. and then she was wearing a skirt but in the p- between those two things there was a sort of a transparent or translucent mesh covering her torso, and it was oh. like all sparkly and mm. things of so like, it's like glitter, yes. but it actually comes off when you're done.
0: <laughs> yes, that's cool. Best
1: that's of both cool. worlds.
0: Yes. Well, the woman who is uh, discussing her belly dancing class is, of course, Sarah Becker. How are
2: you, Sarah? I'm pretty good, thank you, Ben.
0: All right. Well, this week. We are talking about Season 2, Episode 12, and Episode 13, which is the alternate and Armageddon game, respectively. So, the alternate. While Odo is investigating the latest quark scheme, he is surprised by the appearance of Dr. Mora Pohl, the head scientist who discovered Odo and watched him grow, sort of his father figure, if you will. Dr. Pohl tells Odo that he has found trace signatures that match Odo's DNA. On a planet and he wants him to go with his team to investigate Odo, Dr. Pol, his assistant and Dax discover a tiny shape-shifting proto life form that is very similar to Odo but on their way back an earthquake releases toxic volcanic gas that knocks out the crew and puts Dr. Pol in mortal peril. While Odo seems disturbed by Dr. Pol's illness O'Brien studies the creature and notices a rapid growth rate Later that night, the creature escapes and O'Brien finds what he thinks to be its remains in an air duct. While Bashir is walking o- watching over Dr. Pole, a giant shape-shifting creature attacks. When Dr. Pole analyzes the fragment Bashir cut off the creature, he discovers it is in fact Odo himself who is unconsciously committing these acts during his regeneration cycle as a side effect of the exposure to the toxic gas. Dr. Pole confronts Odo, demanding he come back to Bajor with him where he can be safe. Odo refuses, turns into the creature and escapes. Dr. Pol agrees to be used as bait. He captures Odo in a force field and Odo is cured of his madness. After Odo recovers, he and Dr. Pol reconcile and Odo seems a little bit closer to his father figure. So what do we think of The Alternate?
2: I found this episode a little bit hard to follow, honestly. and uh, it the, bit, the big It was a
0: bit weird because mm-hmm. it was hard to tell like who was the creature and who was Odo for a long time. Mm-hmm. right? And if the Creature they found was even a part of Odo? I'm still not sure on that part.
2: Yeah, and whatever happened to it? Did it die or did they just sort of quit talking about it because Odo being the, you know, antagonistic thing was more interesting?
0: Right, I, I'm not sure like. either. Um, I thought that the thing they found was actually a piece of Odo that had been there for a long time. And Odo wanted to, like, reconnect with it in a sense. But, um, again, I'm not sure at all.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I kind of got that feeling as well. But I didn't so much get the feeling of Odo wanting to, like, reconnect or, I guess, reabsorb it.
1: Reabsorb, yeah. <laughs> right.
2: So, uh, I don't know. I, I actually did even watch this episode twice. Admittedly, the first time I was kind of multitasking, so I wasn't really paying attention. But even the second time I watched it, I thought, oh, well, it's it's not just because I was doing something else. This I really am having problems following all of the events in this episode. So, I don't know. That hasn't really happened to me on a Deep Space Nine episode yet. Except for this uh- one.
1: Yeah, I I felt like 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 what like whatever proto thing whatever proto thing they found they found on that planet was like they, they they used Mora more as just uh, a a me mean, a means to an end of 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 connecting of connecting Odo and Doctor Mora so that so so that so we could see so, so so we could see like like, the, like their like their their relationship like a, a kind of father a kind of father son relationship it ask uh, um, and and like and, and and so and so we and so we we could see. Very, like, very visibly, with uh, with Odo being the monster, and, and, and like watch Doctor Mora, uh, get get a better understanding of, of of how of how Odo felt when he when he was like, when he was like, in at least how he saw it, more or less in captivity. Like I, I, I don't, I, I really don't think that. I'm gonna keep calling it a proto thing, a pr- a pr- that proto thing. Proto. Frodo. Frodo, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Good I I really right. felt Good that Frodo right. like. I, <laughs> How, like how like the slimmest of, like, of significance and i wish that they had gone back to it and like said like okay this is what we're doing with this thing
0: yeah no totally uh, this is a this episode is just a giant uh big pile of metaphor for basically a big father son conflict you know what i mean and that but, yeah. did
2: work very well like just yeah, in terms exactly. of the episode as a frame for looking at the relationship between Odo and the scientist that was great and it was really good to see the you know that relationship as it had been left and then its evolution by the end of the episode
0: totally totally and and that's the thing you're right and then like we we do lose a lot of it both this episode and the next one both have a deadly disease that they uh, later on are like yeah we fixed it like off screen don't explain how because it wasn't really the point of either episode. These are both episodes that kind of use a disease to lead to character moments. Um, there's like a thematic one between both. Uh, this one's a little bit more weak in that in that you're right. Like it, the organism is never explained. Is it dead? Is it become part of Odo? Where did it go? You know, it, it. the whole thing is really more about Dr. Pol and Odo because of that, all the sort of science-y investigation of Odo stuff is once again... Left alone, we, we still have to wait a long time to figure out what exactly Odo is or where he's from.
1: Yeah, i i i, al- I almost i almost wish that, that i almost wish that that pro that the proto what i I, d- I did turn out to be the monster. Trademark proto. That, yes. Oh yeah, we we really should. Um, <laughs> I i i kind of i kind of wish that 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 pro that the proto was the monster and the, and and that and that you know i don't know how they would have written it but 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 some but somehow but 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 somehow um. It being in captivity, and then and, and then and then with ha- and then with how we were left with, uh, with how we were left with Odo uh, in in the in the force field. Uh, o Odo, Odo would have been like like the, like the like the only one who could have truly understood it, calmed it down, and like and Doctor Morrow would have been like, how do you know what I like, how do you know what this thing mm-hmm. needs? How do you know what it wants? Mm-hmm. And he could turn around and be like, this is basically how I felt for however long I was in your lab, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So so that so That's that, that way it could have that way it, c- it could have still held a significance, while still seeing. Um, while like, still seeing like their father's in relationship
0: oh, that's very very well said Peter I like your, I like your rewrite of this episode very much because you're right well, it, 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 you get to the same thing either way which is that um, it, it's very interesting, very interesting the way they do Dr. Paul which I really like he's not like a stern angry father figure in fact he's very proud of Odo the entire episode which is really interesting um, but he's very protective as well, mm-hmm. and I think they do a very interesting thing where he, re- he realizes that he kept Odo in captivity, and he didn't realize that till now, that his version of keeping Odo safe was keeping Odo locked away from everyone else. And you're right, like getting to that point either way, it's like seeing Odo either in the force field or seeing another creature like Odo in the force field would be that thing. The only thing, I guess, the reason why they couldn't write that is, um, I'm imagining they have a lot of, plans for the changelings in the future and that adding another one who's just on Deep Space Nine or goes back with uh, Dr. Pol, uh would be probably too dramatic to just have another sentient creature of some kind unless it died which would also kind of ruin the episode perhaps so that's my idea no, what did you think of Dr. Pohl though what did you think of his relationship and the way they portrayed him
1: um, he, he can't, he can't now, now, now that now that I think about it, he kind of re- like, like, I, I, I really did appreciate like how like how proud he was of Odo, and I and 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 I, I really liked that that he that he wasn't that, that he wasn't like you should do this. He was more of like he was more of like I, 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 it's great that you're doing this, and I and I, and I, and I and I love how far you've come. He kind he kind of, he kind of reminded me of like kind of a kind of a stereotypical, like 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 '90s film father. Who 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 played football when he was a kid has mm. his son <laughs> playing football and 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 his, and his son is great he, like, like his, his son his son is, his son is, a, is a fantastic athlete and and, and 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 dad is and dad is all super proud but he has not yet fully understood that while his son is great at this it's not what it's not it's not what his son wants to be doing and and we're and we're watching kind of a like we're watching kind of a television version of that. Where mm-hmm. we're, 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 by the, we're by the end of it, where by the end of it, the sun the sun finally has the breakdown Like, Dad, I, I'm great at football, but I want to do art or some or some something else. <laughs> I want to something dance. Else. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all it, it, it's all it's all it's always the 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 crossroads between sports and art. It's always that. I feel like. Right. Like, I, 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 I felt very, like I felt like that's how Dr. poll was.
0: Yeah, I could see that, and that's a very similar thing. And I, I really did enjoy the performance by James Sloyan, who played Dr. poll uh, he had a really nice melancholy, fatherly figure style. Um, the one that I really liked where he was like, I just keep expecting him to walk back in. I thought the world was too hard for him, you know, that uh, that he was too susceptible to the perils of the outside world. And now I'm seeing him here and I'm like, I realize he's never coming back. And there's sort of an interesting idea of that, which I think it's, is, is very well- Translated in the episode. Mm. I also really enjoyed the um, part Cisco describes to Odo watching his dad, I believe, die, or at the very least was um, very sick, and that feeling of helplessness that you feel in that situation. Oh yeah, it was a nice. And important. of course, Odo
2: comes right back on the defensive with, "He's not my father." <laughs> like, we know yes. Odo. It's a metaphor. <laughs>
0: It's a metaphor. Right. Just take the metaphor. I also enjoyed, uh, we just get one more comedic scene, perhaps creepy scene, where Julian describes his plans for the long game of wooing Dax. Oh my God. Oh my God. Where he says, one day I'll stop chasing her, and then we'll
2: see. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Julian.
2: Yeah, the, the, the feminist in me gets annoyed with those scenes. <laughs> but by the same token, you know, the feminist in me realizes that Jadzia is more than capable of handling herself and, you know, <laughs> continuing to reject him, even though he should know when to quit. And, uh, yeah. you know, when really. when he's not, you know, chasing Dax, he is really a lovable character. <laughs> that doesn't excuse him for being overly persistent, but still...
0: He's just one of those guys. He's handsome. Probably gets most of the women he wants to chase after. He just can't let it go. Mm-hmm. just can't let it go.
1: The one that people. got away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll talk
0: about the one that got away, Julian, on the next episode. Oh, good. Right. Oh, Julian yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of Julian talk. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I also want to mention that uh weird uh, you know, we're, we're we're learning all these people who are part of our childhood are on Deep Space 9. This one mm-hmm. is more for Peter, oh, as Matt McKenzie, who played Doctor Paul's assistant, plays Oron from Final Fantasy X and Kingdom Hearts 2 Oh my god <laughs> mm.
1: That is so mm. cool. Oh my god.
0: Yep. So there you go. Uh, one of my uh, one of my friends' favorite uh, characters of all time, Oron. It's pretty fucking cool. If I could a character who, be Oron.
1: and a character who also turns up in Kingdom Hearts, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> yes,
0: he does. Well, he's a he's a famous Final Fantasy character. He's got to show up.
1: They all yep, show yep. Up at some
0: point. All right. Is there anything mm-hmm. else to talk about for the alternate?
2: Well, I wanted to bring up something that uh, the three of us were discussing off air a couple of days ago as we were watching this episode. That this is the first episode I've seen where um, there's a Bajoran character, Doctor Mora, who isn't wearing oh, no, an right. earring, and. Uh, you know, at first I wasn't sure if this was a flu- just a fluke by the costuming department, like they forgot, and then by the time they realized, they were like, oh, well, we don't want him to be wearing earrings in half the shots, so we'll just leave it. But then Ben brought up an interesting point that uh, the Bajoran earring is traditionally used as a symbol of their faith, and uh, as a scientist, perhaps Dr. Mora doesn't share this faith, and therefore he doesn't wear the earring Right. So I, uh, I thought that was an interesting take on things and perhaps a subtle nod to, or, or, or rather more of a development of, you know, Bajorans and there are in fact some of them who are not religious as there are in, you know, cultures throughout the world, people who are non-religious.
1: Yeah, it was right. it, it was funny when it was funny when you brought that up. Uh, like, I had already, I had already finished um, th- this particular episode by by, uh, by that point, and and I realized that I hadn't noticed that. So I, so I had to go back and like and at the very least look up a picture of of, of Dr. Pol, and I and I saw. I was like, oh yeah, he's not wearing an earring. How did I miss this? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I didn't, didn't notice think. until the end of my second watch through of the episode. So it is a very small thing. They never talk about it but it was just uh, right. an observation. No, it's
0: an interesting one and you're right. Is it is it just costume error or is it actually more significant? And I do wonder if that we'll have to look up if there is such a thing if atheists of their planet don't wear earrings, which I choked that um, I'm an atheist myself and I would rather not have every religious person know that I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> of faith. Because
1: or, at, or, at, or, at the, or at the very least, or, the, or at the very least he could just be like, he could even like simply be just non-practicing.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: For sure. And I think it's a very interesting point you make, Sarah. That, and the right. earring is so important as we saw in the episode where, um, like uh, Kira busted out the, the Bajoran leader, uh, who, you know, sent his earring, like having a one person earring means so much to that person. It's like that personalized, where if you get one person's earring, you know it's theirs. Right. Because it's like so distinctive mm-hmm. and personal. It's very much like a wedding ring or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. Not, a Bajoran not having one, I think, is probably a conscious decision, especially when you make an entire show about Bajorans and you're like, have earrings for every single person, you know, lying around. I don't think a costume person is going to be like, no script supervisor. No one's like, hey, why is he not? Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. It might be more of a conscious decision in that sense. All right, we ready to talk about Armageddon game?
2: Ready. ready. Yes.
0: All right. So, in this episode, we see Dr. Bashir and O'Brien getting along for once as they discover a way to disable and neutralize a deadly biological weapon known as the Harvesters, a device that has been an integral part of a centuries-long war between the races of the Talani and the Kelleran. The two races have hired O'Brien and Bashir to destroy all Harvesters and delete all databanks containing information on the creation so they can never again be duplicated. As the team are destroying the final Harvester, a group of Kelloran Assassins murder the science team. O'Brien and Bashir manage to kill the Assassins and escape, but not before O'Brien receives a deadly drop of Harvester Goo on his skin. They beam down to a desolated war-torn town where O'Brien begins to attempt to fix an ancient communicator to warn the Talani and the DS9 of the Keleron betrayal. On DS9, the Talani and Kelleran ambassadors inform Sisko that O'Brien and Bashir were killed by a deadly security device that instantly vaporized them both. The crew mourns for their death, but Keiko is not convinced. She notices in the video of the quote-unquote death that O'Brien is drinking coffee in the afternoon in the tape, something he never does. Sisko and Dax indeed discover evidence of this alteration and go to save the two. On the planet, after some discussion of marriage and women, O'Brien begins succumbing to the harvester virus. He coaches Bashir through the process of repairing the communicator, and Bashir signals the Talani. Unfortunately, both the Talani and the Keleron ambassadors show up and reveal that the Talani and Keleron have been planning, as al- always, to murder the people who would destroy the harvesters, as it would be the only way to 100% ensure that no one could ever recreate the machines. As O'Brien and Bashir embrace their deaths, they are beamed away by Sisko and Dax. The Talani and Kelleron demand that Sisko return the officers, and when Sisko refuses, they destroy the runabout. However, Sisko switched runabouts on the Talani and escape. In Sickbay, Miles recovers and to the surprise of his wife, begins drinking coffee in the afternoon. <laughs> what do we think yeah. of Armageddon game?
1: I'm just going to say that was a great way to end the episode. I know. He, he's like, he's drinking coffee. And she's like, why are you drinking coffee? You don't drink coffee in the afternoon. I always drink coffee in the afternoon. What? And it's like, and it's like, so they were saved. It's such a merry moment. It was right. literally
2: that thought, Keiko's thought process that saved O'Brien's ass. And right. then it turns out it was 100% wrong.
1: But at the same love, time, it's, it's such
0: like, a married uh, uh, thing. Yeah, that's such a married thing of like, I know you, no you don't. <laughs> like, you know, it's, like, you, like,
1: you know me, but not entirely, honey. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought that was uh, brilliant. I, I really like this episode quite a bit. I guess, just in general, I like the premise of uh, uh, killing everyone for peace. That's a very interesting, morbid, yeah. fascinating <sighs> idea, I think. that uh, uh, For a while, it was like, okay, well, it's, it's Jelani, because the guy who gives him the the... File is a Talani, but it's the kelleran people who killed him, and it's like really confusing. And then, it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I thought just the general plot premise was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it just gives us a lot of good Bashir and O'Brien moments, which is very nice. Um, because of Bashir and O'Brien are kind of stuck together, and they've had this contentious relationship. We sort of get a less, f- still funny, but like more in depth view of their relationship, mm-hmm. which I quite liked. Did you enjoy uh, their relationship in this episode?
2: I did. I will say, I mean, I understand that he was succumbing <laughs> to the Harvester virus, which, by the way, Harvester, that's a nice, sort of ominous-sounding name for a biological right. weapon. Oh, I thought God, that was yeah. very creepy and well-chosen. Um, but And also,
0: it's the implication that they don't know how to turn it off. Like, that's yeah. really scary. Could yeah. you imagine we had nuclear weapons and we don't know how to disarm them? Yeah, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, just a side note, like that's a gr- really creepy idea. Yeah. Um, continue.
2: But anyway, um, O'Brien seemed awfully cranky in this episode. Like again, I realized he was you know getting <laughs> sicker and sicker, and he was just trying to fix the communicator, and it you know wasn't working, and getting frustrated. But he just. I don't know. Like, I thought he was going to turn into something or something. Like, his personality was that different to how it normally is, I felt. In most of this episode, like, once he quit working and Julian took over, then he, he sort of seemed to go back to normal. I thought he was just, you know, very out of sorts.
0: Yeah, well, he's always had a problem with Julian. So True. I, I kind of understand yeah. that when he's when he's working with Julian, I feel like he can put aside his frustrations for common good yeah because they, and they at least then have they're a score stuck for on a planet and yeah and and o'brien i think also just goes into soldier mode which is very interesting yeah she's not a soldier not a guy and o'brien is like no we're gonna work mm-hmm. to this problem you've gotta like watch for the skies like you can't help me i can help you know i need to do my job sort of thing mm-hmm. so i think that's where it comes from but though i do agree that it was frustrating that o'brien was once again cranky at the end too he's like ah bashir what <laughs> like, I was like, "Yeah, I thought you learned stuff." Yeah. <laughs> that was the, my one frustration with the episode. Was at the end, it was like, "Hey, come on!" I thought he was going to have had a moment. Like, ah, he's not that bad, or something like that. You know, I
1: think. I think my. I think my favorite part. Like, my favorite part of, of 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 their of their of, their, of how the relationship grew over this episode was when they were talking specifically about marriage, and like and and, mm-hmm. and seeing and, and seeing. It, it it was a nice way to see, to to, to, to see to see what to see what's probably. What are what are probably two big distinct sides, b- uh w- um, with, within within the within those who are in Starfleet, do I get married or do I not get married, because be, beca- because 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 th- because there are those like like, like Bashir said, who w- who would be worried about their families, who would be worried about their families, who would who would be worried for them, where where, where whereas O'Bri- whereas O'Brien is like whereas O'Brien is essentially was coming coming from coming at coming at it from the angle of me having a family gives me something to strive to protect
0: right and something to come home to and something to keep you grounded I I like that they've uh, explored more than I think they did in TNG the idea of O'Brien being married Mm -hmm. which is you're right very interesting and I'm glad this episode sort of gives a lot of space for the idea of marriage you know again it ends on a joke sort of about marriage it focuses on marriage the fact that Keiko loves him is the reason that she saves the day in a sense you know like it, it is the saving grace of something so it's almost like a somewhat practical element to it as well and I appreciate that the show's kind of explored that because mm-hmm. I do think O'Brien was for, much more of a secondary character in TNG and now having to be one of the main people I feel like we could actually explore what it's like to actually be married and have a kid in constant danger which is very interesting
1: yeah, yeah because that's that's not something we often get in Star mm-hmm. Trek at all I think if we, if we don't, like, 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 like any, any member that any member that's on the bridge they're pretty much single and just they're single and ready to mingle well so
0: <laughs> well certainly julian we also learned a little bit about julian's <laughs> backstory as uh julian uh, reveals that he uh was in love with a dancer uh a parisian dancer and that her father was the head of surgery and hospital in paris and could have given him basically a uh Tracked to be a head surgeon, could have had a beautiful life in Paris, but he chose Starfleet over that. Did, what did you think of this sort of story from Bashir?
2: It was just so just sad, you know, yeah. bittersweet, I guess, because, I mean, <clears throat> I honestly don't know what I would have done, because, you know, I've always the angry but hopeful, hopeless romantic person who wants to do everything for love but at the same time space the chance to travel galaxies like of course you know that would be a really hard choice for poor julian yeah
1: like he he was he was he was given two sides of a very hard coin to flip do i take like the love of my life who i could who i could literally spend like the rest of my life with and love every every second of it with and have like a great career or do or, or do or, or do I take this gamble to go out into the great abyss? <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's absolutely the case. And as a person who just took a gamble in the great abyss, that is Los Angeles, <laughs> I can <laughs> relate. Because I mean, my my relationship, perhaps part of the issue, was that I always wanted to move away, and she did not. And so, having gone through that experience, I recognize that pain. That there is something very fascinating about that, and I definitely it's not a terrible choice i mean you can relate to both as we saw in the first episode julian picks deep space nine because it's the farthest from everywhere mm. like he he has that drive to be he doesn't even care if he's in like the place that doesn't have the best medical place or the best prestige or whatever. he wants to be in the place that's the farthest from everything or can see new things and experience new life and so you're right that drive would have always been stuck with Bashir on Paris even if he was happy with his girlfriend but there's always going to be that what if which I think is very powerful and I'm glad it gives Julian like a little bit more than just the sex hungry cute guy mm-hmm. <laughs> life that he's he's experienced pain because he's always been sort of the I don't want to use the word prissy but the, the least combat the least hardened the least experienced of all the people and it's good to know he's the, he mo- sort of the most that. green the most green mm-hmm. totally and that's what I think this episode was, was like a a hardened, married soldier discussing with a green doctor and finding out they both have more in common, which is what I liked about this episode. What did you think of the uh, sort of sequence we have, or everyone reacting to the quote unquote death of Dr. Bashir and O'Brien?
2: I really liked the scene where Cisco has to go tell Keiko that O'Brien is quote dead. I thought mm-hmm. that was. Well, I hate to use the word sad again, but you know you know we know as the audience that obviously he isn't dead, but good acting on uh, on the part of the lady who plays Keiko, I thought.
0: I almost felt like people should have been more sad. Probably, but at the same no Well,
2: I, same at the same time I imagine there's a great deal of shock involved right. and crying would come later. I oh, could
0: definitely tell that yeah. the way Keiko played it, that she
1: always knew this was going to happen.
2: Yeah,
0: that was like the tragedy part. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because because the second he comes the second Cisco comes in, she's like something. Like, she's she's just she's just like, what happened to my husband? Like like, like she, like, like 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 she's kind of waiting for that day when like when when whoever is the commanding officer over her husband will come in and say, "Hey, sorry, your hu- your husband is a fallen soldier."
0: Hmm. No, for sure, and it's it's interesting the way keiko plays it and again the way that she saves the day as well because it is that sort of belief in that you can't accept that someone you love so much is gone you know that ultimately saves the day which i think is very beautiful yeah as well i also just really like the scene even though there's jokes in it i just enjoyed the scene with cork and kira and uh and dax in the bar yes Mm -hmm. that was was gonna go that was surprisingly touching Was (laughs)
2: was <laughs> because that was, cork bad
1: was bad.
0: honestly gotcha. cork was honestly sincere, I think he was legitimately sincere that yeah. he was have he loved them as good customers
1: mm-hmm. yeah because 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 when you play when you play that when you when you play that uh, that when you play, when you play that rule back in your head, you realize oh that's right, the Ferengi operate on business, so, so and 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 I know and I know with me working work, working in working in retail, you have those customers who you have those customers who are total dicks and you remember forever and you and you patronize them because they were dicks with with your coworkers and th- and then you ha- and then you have those few coworkers who are totally not those few coworkers th- those those few those few um, employee uh, customers who are totally awesome and nice and you remember them because they were nice mm-hmm. like <laughs> you you, rem- you, rem- you remember them because they were good customers and it's like and it's like w- with when, when you have this whole when you have this entire alien race that totally operates around business and that and 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 so and so we and so we have our and so we have our beloved Frankie Cork you use use a rule to honor him, to honor someone that he knew like like that it's like damn that means a lot
2: high praise
1: very high the praise the
2: 57th rule of acquisition good customers <laughs> are as rare as latinum treasure <laughs> them <laughs>
1: treasure
0: them like tears it's mm-hmm. oh, beautiful and I also I did enjoy the sequence in when- Again, to get to an interesting point with Dax and Julian, like, we get a little more interesting one this time where we reveal that Julian gave Dax sort of his personal logs and memories. Right? And she says, I never read them, like, before he died, which is very interesting. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. It was nice to add a little bit of uh, emotion to the somewhat usually comical Julian and Dax relationship. Yeah. So is there anything else to say for mm-hmm. Armageddon game?
2: I'm good. I
1: I kind I, I I kind, I kind of I, I kind of wonder what's going what's going what's going to happen to the uh to the Talani and the and the and the other group uh the uh, the 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 the, Kel- uh, the, the, the yeah the Kelleran um like now 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 that now that they know and and, pr- and pretty much the entire Deep Space Nine crew knows yeah. We won't, yeah, we almost died because they want to kill everyone so that no one could recreate their shit. That's how yeah. far they were willing to go like our like I, I don't I doubt it will be, but it's like will this ever be revisited like like, like how like how are the Talani and Keller and to, like, like I, I quote retaliate against against them against uh, O'Brien and Julian escaping
2: I forgot how they how they left it. I know they sort of well. They they made it look like um, the the runabout had been destroyed, but then it wasn't. Oh
1: but, yeah, oh, yeah. Or they Did they just
2: much. like haul ass and get out of there? And the Keller and Telani still think they're dead, or did they realize no, they'd been duped?
1: They realized they realized they had been they 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 have been duped because 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 there was the there was the original runabout that that uh, that, that that just that just O'Brien and Julian had come in. And then and then there and then there was the runabout that uh that Cisco uh, was it Cisco and Dax uh-huh. who came in that one yeah and, th- and then there was the second runabout that the that, that Cisco and Dax had come in um so so th- so they so they so they so you they, they used essentially the second uh, the second runabout Cisco and daxs as bait and yeah. and and so and so and so then, so then when they turned around to like to head straight at the uh, Telani and Keller and Keller ship they they, 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 they um uh, Teleported over to the other one and just, and just flew and flew off and flew off like a, while they were all distracted. Gotcha. It was um God what what's what's the term what's the term. Something in switch bait and switch bait and switch boom, yeah, that's basically what they pulled.
0: No and I, yeah and I think I don't think they come back, as far as I know, um, but you're right. <laughs> it's an interesting thing where it's like well those big diplomatic issues but. I imagine what what does it do to the Teller, Telani, and Kellerun to know that they, it's so weird because it's like complete cooperation, but also war crimes. Yeah. So it's a very interesting, <laughs> interesting idea of like if the both people found out the about they're like well, it shows our commitment to peace. <laughs> or does it be like, Ugh, it's pretty gross. Maybe we should go back to fighting. I don't know. Mm. It's a very like I said, it's a very interesting idea of like creating a weapon that's so terrible that you have to. Murder innocent people so that it never kills even more innocent people. The sort of needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few in a very dark way. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's Um, pretty frightening. Which again, I find it very fascinating. All right. So that is Armageddon Game. Next up, we are doing season two, episode 14 and 15, which is Whispers and Paradise. So we will see you all next week when we discuss those episodes. In the meantime, I want to thank Peter and Sarah, as always, for joining me on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meat Shield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meat Shield. We are a part of the Tusken Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuskenShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace Nine signing off.
2: Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.